Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. To be a bookend believer. Imagine for a moment that the only thing you had available to you was the first two chapters of the beginning of the Bible and the very last chapter of the Bible. And the question is, does it convey enough for you to trust God with your life? Right? And I believe it does. I believe it does. Right? It's, I have less than 20 minutes to cover this chapter of the book of Revelation. In reality, I, I, I don't have enough time to go through every part of it. Um, so we're going to pretty much do a survey of um, this last chapter. But before we get there, right, it's how many of us love a good ending of a movie, right? And a lot of work and effort goes into making sure that the right ending of a movie captures your heart. As a matter of fact, sometimes there are many different endings of a movie and then they are presented. And depending on the response, it's the one they would choose. Right? Whether it's Casablanca or Wonderful Life. Right? It's, th those are mo movies that just tug at our heart. And one would say that the end of the story of the Bible really ends before we get to chapter 22. It's, it's a chapter that tells us of what God is going to do. It's a chapter that for most of us, we tend to read when there is a funeral, right? Because it lifts up our eyes to a greater hope. I hear these words from Revelations 21, right? And hear them. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death sh shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. 
And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Can, can you receive that as the end of the story, the end of the plot? And then to culminate all of that, right, we would have these first verses in Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me a river of the waters of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruits each month, and its leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Can you picture that? Right, that's, like even though our hearts ache sometimes or right now for the loss of our loved ones, but, but that's where we're all going. That's what we're all going to see. That is what's being seen now. Right, and all of a sudden, we start to hear things that were mentioned at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2. The tree of life, the very thing that Adam and Eve were prevented from eating in Genesis chapter 3 because God did not want the state of Adam and Eve to be passed down to all of humanity. In, in other words, there would have been no reconciling that, right? So he removed them. So that way, his plan of redemption would pass for you and to me, to all who put their faith and trust. Can you see it? Bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God. In the middle of it, there's this street, a river. In the Greek, where it says the tree of life, it really points to multiple trees. And that's where all of a sudden, we end up with 12 different kinds of fruit, right? I remember my wife and I, um, a couple years ago, we went and visited a plantation down in South Carolina, right? And, and, and on the entrance to this plantation, right, was these 12 massive trees of oak on either side, right? It, it was just amazing. Amazing. Right? And, and I can't even imagine what this is going to look like. Then he would say, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Right? We as believers, that's what we 
are going to be doing, worshiping God. Right? So if you're uncomfortable worshiping God here, you need to get used to it because you're going to be doing a lot of it. They will see his face. Can you imagine seeing the face of God? In other words, early on in Scripture, in Genesis, right, even Moses wasn't able to see the face of God. Scripture says that God tucked them away in the cleft of a rock. And God said, only look upon my hem when I pass by. And, and all of that just poured the radiance of God upon Moses' face, that the people were afraid to see his face, that his face was veiled. But in heaven, you and me will be able to see his face. And his name will be on their forehead. And, and in other words, we will have God's name upon us. And night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun. The Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Imagine the light that's illuminating from God himself. Right? And, 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 and here's the picture. Right? It's, you, you know when there's a bright sunny day out? And what is it that you and I do? We go put on sunglasses because it hurts our eyes. It's like, it is, we, we put on sunscreen so we don't get cancer and get sunburn, right? But standing before the presence of God, you're going to be able to see God with your eyes wide open and just take it all in. Isn't that glorious? Right, so when you look at these five verses, here's what we have. No more curse, perfect restoration. Throne in their midst, perfect administration. Servants shall sell, serve, perfect subordination. They shall see his face, perfect transformation. Their names will be on the forehead, perfect identification. God is the light, perfect illumination, reigning forever, perfect exaltation. That's what we have in these five verses. Right, and one would say that at this point, this could be the ending of the book. But we have more stuff, we have more verses. Right? And sometimes in most stories, in most movies, right, like after the culmination of the plot, there's these um, pieces of information that bring closure, right? Because there's a lot of things still that Scripture conveyed that we might still have questions to. Right? And, and this whole thing, right, there's a French word, right, and it's called denouement, right? And, and I don't speak French, but that's the best you're going to get, right? And, and here's what this means, right? In other words, it's the final solution, the untangling of the conflict or the difficulty, 
that makes up the plot of a literary work. The outcome of a complicated or difficult situation or sequence of event, denouement, is a French word that literally means the action of untying, a verb meaning to untie. Right? So you ask yourself, why would we need that if we just heard the ending? Right? And, and if you have an ESV study Bible, I know the print on this is going to be small, but I'm just going to go through it pretty quick. Right? In other words, in that Bible, right, to my left, what you have is God in eternal glory. You have Genesis 1 and 2, which is what we read last week in reference of God creating the tree of life. Right? The, the tree of good and evil. And then we have Genesis 3, which is where Satan comes in and Adam and Eve were disobedient. We have the story of Adam, represented by Israel. Then we have Abraham. And in the middle, we have Christ, as he came. And then we have the birth of the church, the final judgment, a new creation. And as God continues to live in eternity, we join him as he makes all things new. But again, this is really the end of the book. So what do we do with the rest of it? Right? And, and in other words, it's how do we tie all these pieces together? And that's what these verses that we're going to be looking at do for us. Right? So, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the Spirit, of the prophets has sent his angels to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy and of this book. Right? So we're given this book, we're given these words, and scripture is saying, blessed are you, me, who keep these words. And in the midst of that, He's coming soon. The church has been waiting for Christ's return. Every generation has been waiting for Christ's return. And really, what these words say is, don't be caught sleeping. Don't be caught paying attention to other things. Because there is the day that he will return. And I, John, I am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down and worshiped at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the word of this book, worship God, right? It's, here's what scripture is showing us, right? And in other words, when we get caught up in ourselves, when we get overwhelmed and sometimes full of fear, we will start to worship anything, right? Even when we see the truth. Right? And here's the thing, right? God 
right through the end, he says, through his angel, don't worship any idols, because that doesn't get you here. Right? And, and here's the angel, and, and you would think that John would have learned because the angel told him early on in Revelations, don't worship me, only worship God. It's like here he is, a few chapters later, he forgot. And he's worshiping the angel again, and the angel says, stop. We're fellow workers here. You do what you need to do. I do what I need to do as an angel. And we're here together to worship the one and only true God. Don't worship anything else. And he said to me, do not seal up the word of this prophecy in this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. Right? It's, it's, it's a theme. He's coming soon. Bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Right? So the, there's evil in the world. And according to God's word, he says, they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, don't let them be. In the book of Romans, in chapter 3, right, Paul would say that, that God is storing up a wrath for them. Right? And the picture of storing up a wrath is almost like the waters being held back by a dam. Right? And, and there's going to come a day where that dam is going to be let loose. Right? And, and the actions of those individuals, they're going to receive the just dues. Right? And here's the part that that breaks our heart and probably breaks yours, that some of those people are fa our family. Right? We don't want that for them. We, we don't want God's judgment to be upon them. And I believe, just like Greg said, right, it's like our job is to continue to pray for them, talk to them about who God is. Even though they say to us, don't talk to us about God, Right? It's, we need to be persistent because there is going to come a day. Because according to Scripture, He is coming soon. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Isn't it amazing that God Himself, through Jesus, would call Himself a bookend believer? Right? Think about that for a minute. He's the Alpha and the Omega, right? In other words, he looks at the, al the alphabet and he goes, there I am in the beginning and there I am in the end, right? That's me there. He is the one that we turn our hearts to. He's the one that makes all this stuff right. You know, the pain that you and I feel every time we lose a loved one constantly reminds us that something is just not right. 
right? It, it, it's just not right. It's almost as if, why would God allow us to love, right, in order for us to be brokenhearted later? Right? Just think about that for a minute. That God gives us our family and friends for us to enjoy them only for a period of time. And all of a sudden, one day, without even our discussion or our permission, they're not there. Right? And, and we're left with this ache in our heart. And the only thing that makes sense is that there would be life beyond this life. Where we would be united, not only with our loved ones, but ultimately with God himself. That we would be able not only to enjoy God, but to enjoy each and every one of our loved ones who have gone and passed. And it is God who provides that access. Blessed are those who wash their robe so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gate. Right? As believers, we get access to that tree. We Get that pass where we can enter through the front of the gate, the front of the house. Imagine that, right? And, and as we're coming in, we're seeing all of the things that we heard in reference to Revelations 22. And here's the thing, right? There's going to come a time where there's going to be no more passes given. There's going to come a time where the access to the tree of life is going to be nullified. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. They're not inside. They'll be outside. They might want to be inside, but that opportunity is no longer available. These verses remind me of another verse in Scripture from Hebrews 4, chapters 12, verses 12 and 13. Hear these words. For the word of God is a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing soul and spirit of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. We're naked before God. But his word pierces 
It's almost as if God has this holy scalpel upon your heart. I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you about these things for the church. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take water of life without price. Right? There's the invitation to come to God. To come and, and take of this water of life. I warn everyone who hears these words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. Right? So you can look throughout the entire canon of Scripture, and most likely when you hear the word plague, you go right to Exodus, and according to Scripture, those are yours if you start to add anything to God's word. And if anyone takes away from the word of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Right? And, and when I hear those verses, it's, I'm reminded of one of our presidents, right, Jefferson, right? He's known for writing the Jefferson Bible. And he is one who took chunks of Scripture and repurposed it. For all intensive purposes, that is not the Bible. But it was something given to every member of Congress when they became a member of Congress for many years. Right? And... And I question, according to these words, whether he will be in heaven. Right? I question. But here's the other thing, right? We have some Christian pastors that we hear about, and, and, and I wonder why they don't take caution based on these words. There are some pastors that will discount portions of the Bible. And, 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 and I would just say to them, be careful, do you know what you're doing? Because I would say, don't do it. Don't do it. And then it ends with this, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Right? That's all of our prayers, right? Come, Lord Jesus. You know, when we are having a difficult time in our lives, guess what we say? Come, Lord Jesus. And we, and we say that really, Lord, I want to be done with this pain and suffering. Come. 
Lord, when are you going to come? But according to his word, here's what it says. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. And he ends, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Amen. Right? And, it, and where we start is where we end. And the question is still before us, right? Is the information at the end of Revelation and the information at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis enough for you to say, I want him to be my God. To, to surrender all of your desires so that he would be your desire. To be a bookend believer. To say, he is the one from the beginning had a plan and as he created everything, he also created me and you. So from my point of view, I am the created thing, the creature. And as the creature, am I going to worship the creator? Who knows what I need? Like, ask yourself, do you know what you need? You think you know what you need, right? But guess what? He knows what you need. And you know what we need? Salvation, right? Not a better job, not better families, not better friends. We need salvation, right? And as we receive the gift of salvation, then he says, go share that with those who don't know. Go be a thorn in one of your loved ones and remind them over and over again about the love of God. Don't think that you're so smart that you can figure out your situation because there's going to come a day where it's going to be too late and you are going to be outside of the city gate. And here's the thing about God. Right? And because you got to remember, everything that we experience is through the lens of sin. Everything that we experience. But here's what I know. That when you and I get to heaven, because sin has been removed, everybody who needs to be there will be there. And I believe as a believer, I'm not going to miss somebody. Think about that for a minute. Right? The, the people who are not there, you and I are not going to miss them. Right? We would like to think we are, right? but to miss them is to believe that something's wrong in heaven. But sin has been taken care of. And I know that's hard and difficult. But you got to remember, the things that are important to us here will not be important to us there because the only thing you and I will be doing in heaven is worshiping God. Being overwhelmed 
by his glory, being overwhelmed by his light. And our worship is the very thing that you and I are going to work at. Right? We're going to work at it. It's not as if we go to heaven and we stop working. Right? You're going to go to heaven and you're going to work, but guess what? The, the curse will be removed, and all of a sudden you and I are going to enjoy working. And that work is worship. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful. Grateful for these words. Grateful that they point us to a conclusion, a tying up of all of these loose ends. And Lord, I pray that we would take every second of our lives to tell the world of this good news, this gospel. And your word says that not a single one would be lost. And Lord, so we put our faith and trust in your goodness. You are a just and righteous God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for loving us the way that you do. Lord, I pray a blessing over my brothers and sisters as we worship you with our being. Pray all of this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, would you rise as we worship our God? Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.